0: Congratulations, dear listener. You are listening to the gold standard of podcasts, the creative curmudgeon. My name is Jason, and today I am speaking with Christian Hell, the vocalist, bassist, drummer, and overall creative mind of the musical group Hong Kong Fuck You. I I first became familiar with your band about a year and a half ago because my friend Eric, who's been on this podcast, he um, sings in the band Psychic Graveyard. And he was.
1: uh,
0: Yeah, he was was telling me, uh, oh, yeah, I'm uh, flying to San Diego because we're playing a couple of shows with this band Hong Kong. Fuck you. And I my mind was blown just because that's such an easily memorable name. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and yeah. I wondered why more bands don't do that why they don't just have like expletives in there just a uh, sentence enhancers as they say on spongebob
1: yeah that it- was kind of an accident how <laughs> <laughs> that came about that name <laughs> and we just rolled with it <laughs> well, what was the, was the accident first. well we wanted to just be called hong kong um and one of the first song was called hong kong fuck you kind of like a cue like the old uh punk dodge like one two fuck you one two x you mm-hmm. and um kind of a parody on that using our name obviously um and uh, when we tried to use the domain online it wasn't allowed because uh, I, I guess you know hong kong owns that word hong kong so we couldn't use it anywhere online so we just did hong kong fuck you and then when we had a first show someone put hong kong fuck you on the flyer and we just tried to ignore that and then the
0: second flyer they put hong kong fuck you again so we just rolled with it um tell me about let's start at the beginning tell me about what got you into the creative pursuits you know i've just always been like
1: that um probably raging add or what
0: people call being a creative
1: on top of all that Mm -hmm. ever since i was a kid i've just always drawing all the time or diddling doodling rather doodling around on the instruments whether that was drums or guitar so I don't know. It just always come, it's just came kind of came natural
0: to me. Something I just always uh, wanted to do. Constant. That's interesting. You bring bring up um, ADD. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Is it, it? Can I can I ask? Are are you are you, are you an official ADHDer as they say?
1: I, I guess <laughs> you know. Um, my mom said that's what they. All my counselors and teachers were. Trying to explain to her that I had ADD and uh, to put me on um, Adderall or Ritalin, which she refused. Hmm. So I, I guess so, <laughs> according to that.
0: Well, I just thought uh, I, I asked because I, I, uh, I, I very much as, a, as an ADHD person, like listening to your band and just like what a quick burst, both what a quick burst it is. And then the fact that you like rotate instruments throughout it like that. The, the whole band screamed ADHD to me in like a in a good way, and I was, so I was just like kind of curious if that was if that was legit or not.
1: I think it's legit. <laughs> you know, I haven't like really visited a
0: any kind of doctor, psychologist to get
1: anything like a a I guess on paper, but I'm pretty sure I have it. <laughs> it's safe to say.
0: Um, is there a particular way that you organize your shit then, in order to like? Do you just kind of like make stuff? When you when you feel like it, or is there a kind of a way that you have to organize yourself so that you can like get stuff done with that?
1: Oh, it's rough. Um, I, you know, I'm just always balancing between different projects, whether it's uh, doing some graphic design or just illustration, or writing music, or writing music for something else, and uh, so forth on with the uh, commissions. Uh, so, no, honestly, I just wing it. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> uh, it's usually uh, procrastination that gets it done.
0: Just you know, it's always on
1: the last minute. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm feeling the pressure now, so I got to do this. Do,
0: do you feel like you create better when you're when you have that sort of like, oh, I have an hour to do this, so I better just like bust my ass right now. Like, do you do you, do you do better that way than when you kind of like space it out as far as like the finished product?
1: Well, it's better that than nothing. But usually, uh, when it is.
0: Better is when I, I'm just absolutely just
1: hyper focused on it. I'm like, okay. And it, it's like convenient for me to do. Like my guitar is already out or bass is already out and then the whole rig is already there. So I just hop on that mm-hmm. and just go all in, you know? Or if um if I have an illustration idea in my tablet or I'm nearby my computer, I'm like, all right, no, I just get it out of the way. And gotcha. I, you know, just
0: working on it for hours so um how did you initially find find bandmates because like you're kind of the the only consistent member of of your band correct like throughout the years
1: yeah uh, eric he's been around the longest um i would consider him like a core member because he he entered the band when i had the idea to get three bases going um and he's been there since day one of base of three bases uh the other guy is either he just kind of recently been has been back in the band um and he was the second bassist to ever join the band um uh-huh but other than that yeah it's always been me and uh you know the way i always found musicians was just going to shows um that's how i met literally all of them uh I've been fan of their bands, and um they liked my playing and stuff that I write, and we're interested in
0: collabing. So,
1: you know, it was just kind of the stroke of luck of networking.
0: Yeah, are you are you good at that? Is that something you had to? Because I'm not good at that at all, and I don't know that I've ever gotten good at that. But is that something that you like, like purposefully worked on in order to like kind of exist in this world, being able to say like, "Hello, I'm Christian." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it, it's it's kind of natural for me to do that. Um, if I like someone, or if I'm just really interested in uh, working with someone, I, I go out of my way to to introduce myself and to chat them up. Mm-hmm. Or um, usually, like I'm, I know at a certain points that they that they know who I am. They're familiar with my work, so it makes it a lot easier when I go and approach them, like, "Hey, I'm a huge fan," and you know, right. uh, and they, you know, basically exchange uh, mutual feelings, and we just. bromance it up until you know eventually collab so
0: for me when i played in bands before it's been really hard to find that balance of like you know like i played in bands with people where i wasn't really like friends with them per se like maybe acquaintances at best and then like i've had different bands where i was like you know with like my best friends and then like you know musically it wasn't great and then there's the, you know occasionally like the sweet spot in between the two things but is there one that kind of like takes precedent for you as far as like you know being quote-unquote professional versus like you know somebody that you just naturally get along with
1: uh, you know there have been some like quote-unquote you know professional
0: situations
1: where i'm brought into a band and they're like paid gigs and those are like kind of cool but you know just that's uh, at the end of the day those are just like okay yeah because you're paying me to tour with your band and i'll do it um Whereas I definitely favor being able to get along with people and have, like, a a good connection with that
0: person. Yeah, I don't know how the Ramones did it. (laughs) Long periods, like, on the bus, just, like, not even talking to each other for years. Like, that seems, like, horrible to me. But uh, but I guess bands do that sometimes.
1: Yeah, it usually goes down that route. I usually um, end up just uh, going, you know, opposite directions with, you know, guys like that. I'd rather not sit in a van with them for hours on hours just to be spiteful. So too many egos, too many cooks in the kitchen. So.
0: Yeah, is it kind of easier for you to be like, this is because like collaboration for me has been kind of hard as far as like, you know, if you're like really set on idea on an idea and then like collaborator number two is like, nah, not so much. Then it kind of like the anger just like has festered inside uh, yeah, of that's, me.
1: That's a horrible way. My opinion to like uh,
0: formulate music with other people. Usually, um,
1: bands I, I do and the bands I have always found more successful, uh, at least in, you know, when it comes to the creative pr- writing process, are ones that have a brainchild of the band, one that kind of is the main songwriter. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the case with me. Or sometimes, if someone else wants to write a song in Hong Kong, I'll let them just fully take over for like one right. song, you know, so we all follow that direction, and just bite the bull and be like, okay, you know, but I mean, obviously we're all open to like little changes, like if someone's like, oh, this riff sounds like something from another song, it's like, oh, okay, you know, then we'll change that out, but for the most part, as long as there's one like primary songwriter, it's a lot more smoother, so and yeah, that's how no, usually totally. I collab with uh, mostly I, I, I reach out to drummers so that I actually want to collab with, you know. Mm-hmm. Besides uh, me going up to someone and learning their songs, or vice versa. But when I go up to drums, I'm usually told, "I'm like, oh, I'm gonna write some stuff, and you can put whatever the fuck you want to it." Because I'm a huge fan of your drumming, and yeah. So <laughs> that's
0: uh... what, what what percentage <laughs> of uh, your like, because you you, you kind of do like roughly half drums, and then half like half the songs you kind of do drums and scream, and then half the songs you do bass and scream, right?
1: Sometimes I usually I kind of just
0: do the extra
1: bass for uh, just some parts where I feel like it could be more accented on the song or it could be like heavier. So, you know, I'll add that extra um, and that's just live. Right. Or if I don't have uh, an extra bassist that night, then I'll just play bass and sing. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually it's, uh, I go about for half of the set on drums and then I switch to just running because drumming and singing is, uh, it's a, it's hell. <laughs> it's so rough. I mean, at least the way I, I like to drum, you know, I like to go all in with the drums and with the, with the speed and the, and the, uh, the power, you know, just like I can just project loudly. And, um, and it's the same with my scream. So it, it's, it exerts a lot of energy
0: yeah i mean even if you're phil collins or something i imagine playing drums and singing is like super hard nonetheless like your style of music yeah. um uh, how long did it take you to phil be collins able to like balance the two
1: well, it just came natural
0: honestly because <clears throat> i always was a
1: was a vocalist um i was a vocalist before i was a drummer i think um uh, practicing my scream since i was like a kid when i would uh, when i know and i discovered all like that new metal one is coming out or just when I heard screams sometimes in songs and I thought it was funny I think the earliest I I developed my vocals was actually death metal because of Cannibal Corpse okay because I I always thought that band was funny from H Ventura I was like oh it's that burping band that cookie monster burping band so I would like do that as you know just to be funny with my friends because you know I was always into impersonations
0: um, I, I, I wanted to ask you more about uh, about new metal because I, I listened to a podcast with you. I wish I remembered the name of it. It was a couple of weeks ago, and you you you, sh- you showed love for Limp Biscuit. Was, was is that is that sincere? Like, are you are you? It
1: kind of is sincere, but it was it was a tad bit trolling. I was drunk on that podcast, so. And uh, he was asking me about bands. I don't know. If you ask me what my favorite something is in general, I'm just going to always be like, uh, you know, just drawing blanks. So I just went with Limp Biscuit and uh, kept that a, a, a running gag. Well, I mean, I do like Limp Biscuit. I can recite a lot of their lyrics. And uh, honestly, Wes Borland is really innovative guitarist, in my opinion. He was yeah, playing uh... a all- before long before a lot of other people were doing baritones and not even flexing it like like oh yeah i'm playing baritone was just no you're just playing it simple just playing uh long scale instruments uh for, you know before a lot of other people that yeah. wasn't seven strings and so forth but yeah right. in fact, there are four string baritones <laughs>
0: it's kind of cool But my mind was know, blown um, recently, like getting into his uh his solo music. Like I, I I had no idea up until like a few months ago that he did this like instrumental music that like was nothing like like Limp Bizkit at all. I don't know if you've heard of any of those solo albums at all. I I remember him talking about I think a band called Eat the World or Eat the Day
1: or something a while ago. He's releasing really it under I'm his his name.
0: About. Yeah, but okay. uh, but yeah, I mean he, he I mean he always seemed like the it, I, I always appreciated his like presence in the group because, he, you know, he was like clearly he, he clearly didn't belong there and like like visually. And I, I always thought that that was cool.
1: <laughs> was that it? I thought it was a running joke that Fred Durst made him do that, like emotionally abused him into dressing stupid for. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> for would be that stuff. would be
0: really interesting. Yeah. That, but I, I, th- I thought that it was just that he was just like a super sci fi nerd or whatever, and that he wanted to dress that way. And then I wish I knew more about like the Limp Bizkit sort of motivation behind things but yeah yeah no i don't
1: i don't really i don't know that much on the war of Bizkit, fortunately mm-hmm. really um, with the bangers when i was a kid so right they're nostalgic uh, all that wwf and wwe you know as, as it evolved um with all the biscuit montages
0: oh yeah like in the attitude
1: in the era, era. Yeah. And just going up with one biscuit period. I, I grew up with those CDs mm-hmm. before hot dog flavored water came out, chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water came out. I was listening to $3 bill y'alls a ton when I was a little kid, which is kind of in the background while I was skating in the neighborhood. But yeah, no, uh new metal was just, um, it was so intense when it first came out. That was, uh, it introduced a lot of kids in my generation to like extreme vocals, screaming in general. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the shock valley of all those bands like uh slipknot or mushroom head or mud vein you know with all the, the theatrics theatricality rather of the bands that you know just covered in fake blood and and makeup and masks it was just so uh it was so extreme
0: and it mm-hmm. felt like it was dangerous to listen to like it was uh, like a crime to listen to at the time i have the uh I've, I've been experiencing the thing lately where i have been primarily listening to music that I listened to as a teenager. And there's like a, there's like a term for that, but it's like how, like Not you get nostalgia. stuck in like, it's like how you <laughs> get stuck in like nostalgia and how like the music that you, the music that you're like listening to when your brain is developing, like at that age, how it just kind of like cements and uh, always becomes like this like thing of like comfort. Uh, yeah. Oh, that that doesn't exist, like like I listen to Pearl Jam all the time and I have no idea if I like listen to Pearl Jam for the first time today, I'm like, I probably wouldn't like this at all. But because that was like something I listened to like as a kid, then I feel like yeah. it automatically sets that like sets off that comfort brain chemicals or whatever.
1: Yeah, for me, that would be like the Space Jam soundtrack and um, Creed and definitely new Metal. <laughs> um, I, felt, I felt awkward bringing up um, Pearl Jam to you
0: just now. So uh, the fact that you brought up Creed Makes me feel more comfortable about bringing up Pearl Jam. So thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's funny, though. I don't know. things. People change, too, though. Um, The things I didn't appreciate when I was a kid, I appreciate a lot more now as an adult. Like, um, for example, like the CDs I grew up with, like, I didn't like the Chris Cornell solo CDs I saw playing around my house. I thought they were whack. But now I absolutely adore those. Hmm. Not, I mean, even before his death, like, I was, you know, absolutely adoring that. those solo albums but um and I also didn't really like uh Soundgarden that much up. it was just it wasn't uh I I don't know it just didn't really connect with me until I got older and um like probably because the fact that I became a bigger fan of Chris Cornell's vocals that uh, I started
0: listening more to Soundgarden recently given it a chance what was I gonna say oh I've been trying to get back into the uh habit of just like listening to music that's like been a hard thing for me is that I feel like I haven't been getting into like new music to me as much because I'm always doing it while like driving or doing the dishes or something like that like it's very like rare that like I have the time to just like sit down and just like be like with an album and that so I feel like I get into music a little bit less because of that because there's just too much way more stimuli going on and things that I have to do than there were like in the 90s I don't know if that's the case with you at all yeah, no, it's totally the same.
1: Um, usually, when I'm listening to stuff, it's uh, accompanying me with, while I'm working on a project, mm-hmm. like doing an art project or cleaning my house. or going on, um, going running on air, you know, running errands. is What I was trying to say. Um, so I, I can't put like all of my focus into it and really zone out. Whereas when yeah, when I was younger, I would just sit there and smoke a cigarette and just fully absorb a whole album chain smoke and drink and that was all my focuses
0: on because i didn't have a phone to distract me <laughs> the whole time the old days when kids had more time to smoke because they weren't <laughs> uh, on their phones yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i wanted to ask you more about the bass so i yeah. uh i think bass is my favorite instrument to play and a lot of my favorite loud bands are very like bass heavy such as like lightning bolts and big business etc and you guys and i think some, it has to do with like the calming effect of like the low frequencies like high pitches can oh, kind absolutely. of like fuck with me a little bit if i'm not in the right mental space for it whereas like even when it's like loud to the point of destroying your hearing like it it feels like very like calming like those like low bass frequencies but i'm curious like why you chose to go, go all in on the bass
1: um i uh just always absolutely love the sound of bass distorted it sounded just so damn good to me and it kind of started making sense and I hate to name drop bands like Meshuggah but um because Meshuggah is considered so overplayed nowadays especially that considering people created a whole genre based on Meshuggah called Jint which is even more frowned upon for some people and (laughs) elitists but um yeah Meshuggah Had always tried to explore the lower range, uh, or the lower frequencies in general, with their their guitars and tunings in general, and it was always was it's like like you said, it's like therapeutic. It's such a great sound. Or when I was a kid, I would always just hit the the that bottom note on a piano, which is a A zero that note, which is so satisfying to just let drone on. And um, there's also this other band called Admiral Angry who i just give all my credit to for um the tones that i try to pursue with all my um, studio work and live performances Uh, and they actually converted five string basses which were 34 inch scales into seven string quote-unquote guitars and and um throwing in guitar pickups instead some active pickups and we're doing some absolutely low tunings like i said that that bottom note on a the piano, they were playing that distorted um, as their lowest note on their uh, on those guitars, which can handle it because they're 34-inch scales. Um, and uh, I was always, I didn't even realize that till like two years ago that they had done that, but I was just always actively pursuing that tone that they had. Mm-hmm. And I found it easiest with bass. Um, eventually, I got a couple builds that were just like that Agua Angry Guitar, custom guitar builds that I just described. I I have one that is quiet exact because um, it was a bass converted and I have another one that was a custom build that pretty much is a 34-inch bass with guitar pickups in it. And uh, it's the closest I've ever gotten to that tone and it's just so great. But yeah, uh, with Hong Kong um, it was kind of by accident uh, that that came about because just literally just a bassist was like, oh, you want to start a band? And I was like, yeah, but we can do it with two bassists, you know. Um, and he's just like, whatever, I'm down. He just wanted to play. And uh, ever since then, yeah, I've just been pursuing uh, that, just trying to perfect those the frequency of bass and just all bass in a band. Because I don't know like, if you ever sit in a room with a band that with two or three basses playing at the same time. It's so
0: such a it's like
1: sonic therapy. You can just feel it mm-hmm.
0: all throughout. Um, I'm curious, uh, as far as like you, like setting tones, like do you uh-huh. like, generally like turn up the treble so that it's like a little less muddy, especially with distortion? Or do you have like kind of go to things with like, you know, turning up the mids or whatever?
1: Yeah, I was, I, um, I kind of go back and forth. Uh, it depends. Um, but usually, at least with Hong Kong, because I'm just in standard I don't, try to push the mids too high um but i definitely push the mids like a lot especially that considering i like to use the hm2 um hm2 kind of like that fuzz chainsaw tone in there to add on to the sustain um but I, i try to balance it out um with you know between mids and a little bit more trebs and with a lot of low in the center but i also do quad tracking so i there's like four bases panned, hard panned left and right, and then one sometimes two center oh, and considerably more signals because I use parallel signal blenders, so through one basically through one track, there's two signals at once where it's one is kind of clanky, one's more distorted, or one's clean and one's clanky, if that makes any sense what I'm saying so- I, I
0: think so, yeah, um, is it like you? are kind of creating like a like a specter wall of sound where just like every like everything is like happening like it i'm not quite sure if that's how specter did it but just like having like all the bases just like play the same thing and create this like huge sound or is it like you know absolutely face over here is like a lower octave and this one's a higher octave or whatever
1: uh yeah absolutely that's exactly what it is just trying to cover all that all those textures like uh, you know I've heard producers call it. I'm not like an expert in that realm. I'm just uh, an enthusiast of trying to get the best sound possible. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. just trying to cover all the bases. Because you think about it, like, um, not only is it just amazing on any speaker that can handle all of that, but considering, you know, most people listening through different types of devices, whether it's like a cell phone or a really crappy cell phone or like a small speaker on a fucking laptop or something or fancy speakers in a car or studio speakers like it's going to be a different listening experience for everyone but you know the more bases you cover the more
0: consistent it can kind of sound on all those different devices the more bases you cover i like what you did there Mm -hmm. yeah um so (laughs) So I so so just just am so understanding like every all, all the bases that you're doubling and trip like you know they're all they're all doing the same fret the same string at the same time correct? Sometimes
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, with Hong Kong yeah definitely.
0: Um, with other stuff I've
1: experimented with, no, not quite. But hmm. that's soon to change. You know, those are all lessons. Every time I've recorded, I literally do not like. I'm not fully satisfied with every recording I've done. I'm still pursuing it. To- Do it better and better every time.
0: (laughs) Do you do anything to not uh, throw out your voice or just your body like while performing?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My number one rule is that I just never go like a hundred percent, definitely not over a hundred percent. Because that's how you just uh, destroy the larynx. Um, Also, um, try to avoid the quote unquote high screams as much as possible, especially doing them at, at loud volumes because that will absolutely destroy your larynx well, uh, there's a lot of vocalists that destroyed their larynx doing that i think like the guy randy Blith from my god Corey taylor the guy from avenge sevenfold not that i'm like massive fans of those guys but i just remember reading about those a long time ago that they damaged their larynxes and had to change their techniques the vocal techniques
0: because of that do, do you have you like been to like a vocal like coach or anything like that to like help you not destroy your voice or is it just like a self taught sort of thing? I
1: had I took sixth grade choir and okay. uh, grew up um, in a church where we're singing all the time. And also, I I grew up watching a lot of like sketch comedy, so I was an enthusiastic about you know doing impersonations. Um, so I think that might have. All those combined, but mostly the impersonation aspect helped me to learn how to control my vocal cords um, more than the average person, I guess, and practicing all the time, especially my screams when I was a teenager. Um, yeah. And I mostly practiced a lot of new metal, which uh, is screaming in key majority of the time. I think a good... A great example of screaming in key would be like Ian MacKay from Minor Threat. It's like so obviously, right. it's monotone, but it's in key. And uh, even with like more brutal techniques towards like death metal, or whether it's like high pitched screams and low growls, like
0: most of the time, those guys are singing in key. Um, I'm curious. Uh, uh, going back to sketch comedy, like has, has has sketch comedy been a current influence on you in any way?
1: oh man i'm always just making jokes so i think so um I've, the way i've marketed i guess you could say marketed the band was based on a lot of like the sketch comedy i grew up watching like fake ads and stuff or just youtube sketches i remember from my youth vaguely
0: so definitely yeah hmm, that's cool yeah no i i was i was i was asking because i was talking with someone else recently about uh I frequently bring up wrestling on this podcast, even though there's, you know, obviously this podcast isn't about wrestling in any way, but just Uh how the influence of that for me, because I'm a teacher and also have performed a lot in the past. And I feel like even before I realized that it was that, like, just the mannerisms of like a wrestler, like the way that they like just in like, you know, when they're talking, not like obviously during fighting or whatever, but just like that sort of like confidence that uh that that was like a that was an influence on me for doing like other things so I'm, I'm always curious like what other influences are for people other than like the obvious things
1: yeah a little bit of that um uh, somewhat acting um because when I'm on stage so, like I have to find that like mood to like really get angry and get in there and it's usually pretty easy because uh touring is so stressful and um as a person who self-manages the band and practically is a project manager, trying to get like five grown men in one room together, it's hmm. uh, feels a lot of stress. So, um and then having like that's the stress of like having so many eyes on me at shows it. It, it still gets to me at the end of the day. Um, yeah, because uh, I am a bit of an introvert at, at times. I, I mean, I, I can't be extroverted when I have to, but deep inside, I, I there's this introvert that just needs to. That needs like a to recharge your social battery sometimes you just can't have that and uh, it really helps me to uh live to use that as catharsis to just get that out there and i feel like that's something that actors do they i'm not an actor but i mean i can tell actors have to
0: channel something to to do their scenes Yeah, they're thinking about like you know some some shitty like childhood experience or something, and even if it's like not related to that directly, like that's how that's how the waterworks are coming or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, for me, it's just like, ah man, I had a weird,
1: just annoying interactions all day with between you know all these people. So then I have to shuffle around doing all the managing for this band.
0: uh, also, just an angry person in general. So, <laughs> well, does the band? Does, uh, I'm assuming that like the catharsis of the band does, like you know, helps you get that out of your system. Like, is that the case, or is it, or is it sometimes the opposite, where you get off stage and then you're like, man, I'm still mad, and then people try to come up to you and shake your hand, and like you're 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 still pissed. No,
1: yes and no. Uh, usually, by the time I'm done, I, I, it's all gravy. Um, but uh, I'm just exhausted. That uh, that's very rare. Where I'm just like, ah,
0: I'm still pissed after we play, right? Where, um, are you currently in uh Tijuana?
1: Yes, that's where I live. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I thought you, if I like, you go back and forth, right, between a little bit, yeah,
1: yeah. My son lives in the Inland Empire, so I go and visit him weekly. I stay there for for a few days, and then I come back because I work freelance, so I, I just. Kind of come and go as I please. Well, that's nice. Um, it's nice. Um, <laughs> freelance is freelance at the end of the day. I usually have no idea what day of the week it is. I don't have Mondays or Fridays. It's just
0: day. <laughs> well, well it's, it's it's nice that it affords you, you know, more opportunities to you know visit your kid and whatnot. Can can I can yeah. I ask about your kid? Is that is that yeah. allowed? How, yeah. how old are they?
1: Uh kid is three. They're turning four in February.
0: Have you uh, have you been able to integrate them into your art at all? Like, you're, have they shown any interest yet in anything you do? I um,
1: I always joke around with the last thing that I would
0: wish for him is to become a musician
1: because it's just such a it's like a very tough life. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, um, I've let him um, mess around on my gear before. I let him screw around on my bass once, and he just tore out the cables in the back, and that one's out of commission now. And uh, but he was enjoying the sounds and fiddling around with the pedals, and I think it was more of just a sensory thing for him. And uh, drumming, I bought him little drums, and he definitely loves hitting me with the drumsticks more, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> than that little plastic kit itself. Um, but I don't know, maybe one day he he could be interested uh, in music, and I, you know, would have no choice but to fully support it. But right now, his whole personality, Troy trait his whole personality trait is just cars right i uh
0: yeah i it's interesting because like my my personal experience with uh really little kids and like you know aggressive music is that like it seems like a natural thing for like despite the fact that it's like the societal standard that like you know loud angry music is is scary for kids or whatever that they need to listen to like wiggles instead or whatever that like (laughs) Uh, you know, it would it would make perfect sense for a four year old to like Hong Kong. Fuck you, just because like at that point it's just they're just like you know balls of energy.
1: Uh huh. I think I I recall as mom saying that she played some Hong Kong fuck you for him and he liked it. So, that's but cool. to be fair, it's probably a cheap day. He would probably dance to the sounds of like a fucking tetherball just <laughs> blowing
0: in the wind. <laughs> so well, that's fair. Um. What's it like making art in Mexico versus in the in the United States? Like you grew up in the United States, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: I grew up in San Diego, yeah. Um it definitely feels like something it could be more appreciated for. Whereas, you know, you tell someone you're a musician in the States, most of the time they're gonna look at you like, oh, well sorry about that <laughs> kind of look or uh whereas Mexico, you tell telling the musician and they're just like wow they're just blown away you know um it's awesome the arts out here is uh definitely um just way more appreciated out here that's how i eventually got back into music i, I just kind of and art um i had stopped doing it for a while and just was like all right i guess i'll just get on the nine to five grind but uh when i moved to mexico I found myself getting more back into illustration and eventually music because there's just so many musicians out here.
0: Um I wanted to ask about your uh album and flyer art. Like I'm assuming that you make all of it. About 90% of the stuff you see on the page is yeah, it's all me. What do you use for that? Like do you use a particular program or anything or it's a lot of it I, by hand?
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's a combination of a lot of stuff uh but usually I start off with illustration, which is I go with Procreate with that because I really like. The, um, I I just love drawing digitally. It's just it's a huge save on resources. If I you know, whereas when I'm so used to just doing uh, pen and ink, and it's just like ah oh, one mess up, bam, you know it's a whole page <laughs> gone. Um, because I I don't know why I just never start off a sketch with <laughs> with let with pencil lead. But anywho, so yeah, I start on the tablet conceptualizing there, or I start in Photoshop, um, graphic designing the main image there. But it, you know, that's where I start. But it always ends on Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator before I print out, you know, a TIFF or a PDF on um, physically print it out, and I distress it or add on things I want to, or if it's collage, you know, print out and you know, do all the cut and paste and then I scan it I rescan it so it's a kind of a combination
0: of digital and analog damn was that was that all something you came across like organically or was there like a particular influence for that sequence of of events
1: it was a combination of seeing a lot of stuff on tumblr in the early 2000s okay. <laughs> uh, a lot of um and also like just uh, when i was a teenager i was just always designing shirts even though it was just like on paper you know um without mm-hmm. a computer, i was just always conceptualizing shirts for bands i didn't really have just like fake band names that i came up with just fantasizing you know and album covers um uh, creating album covers as well but also like the album covers I grew up seeing like in the early 2000s and late 90s a lot of that was just very distressed artwork work a lot of collages um and then seeing a lot of like old punk flyers on tumblr that were just beat up from the 80s but you
0: know scanned and uploaded I loved the way those look totally well that's that's all I have um is there anything else you want to say oh Well, I guess I could do
1: a little plug. Um, I have a little side project called All You Need Is Kill, which is named after an old uh, 2000s Japanese novel. It also became a manga and maybe it became a movie starring Tom Cruise, but that's not why. (laughs) not because of Tom Cruise, but anyway. (laughs) Um, It's called All You Need Is Kill. It's uh, a project I'm touring the whole states with, and I'm also filling in on guitar for this band called Midwest Lust on that same tour. And it's going to be from like November 5th to December 23rd. And odds are probably, if you're listening, odds are I'm probably going to be in your city or very close
0: to you. So you should come check that out. Cool. Um, There is everybody listening. There's patreon.com backslash, backslash the creative curmudgeon and venmo.com backslash the creative curmudgeon. Christian, would you mind encouraging the listener to donate? yeah um what is just it that do, you, you know, know just just just, just, bull, just bully the listener into into giving me money <laughs> well
1: if you enjoyed listening to this podcast uh just know that they don't come for free and um, any donation that you can possibly give would mean the world to jason so and would keep things like this going so please donate if you can
0: I, I I I liked I liked the uh, you know you 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 really you know gave it some oomph with that like this would mean the world like I, I uh, yeah thank you for doing that.